yeah, I think that first time was really hard. And anytime I've changed jobs since, it was a much, much easier transition because I developed self-awareness. I developed, you know, a much stronger sense of self-worth, self-value, which I didn't have, you know, in my early 20s. Hey friend, it's David Nabinsky here in New York City. I hope you, your family and community are doing the best you can during this difficult time period. Given this difficult time period, I thought it'd be particularly timely to share uh, a wellness expert friend of mine, Cassandra Bianco. I'm very honored that she was willing to provide her time and expertise for you. She's the founder of WellBeings, a wellness community that was recently featured in the New York Times. Um, she's also a meditation teacher. Speaking of which, there's a bonus guided meditation at the end of this podcast episode for you. I'm honored that Cassandra was able to share even more of her gifts here for you. In this episode, you'll also learn about how she started and grew WellBeings. And we also talk a lot about nonlinear paths and how we might be able to overcome and deal with the difficult job market and environment that we're facing right now. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Cassandra. Cassandra, we were to go to, a, I guess, a, a virtual event. How would you typically introduce yourself? I am Cassandra. I am a meditation teacher. I run women's circles, and I am the founder of WellBeings, which is a community of over 500 practitioners in the wellness world, and we have a very east meets west approach to our work in terms of being very integrative and holistic and science-backed, and we do corporate wellness and retreats and all the good stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All the good stuff. Well, I would love to start this conversation off with actually something that you posted recently about being obvious. And I feel like we are all very dynamic people, um, despite how sometimes we're being encouraged to fit into certain boxes. Uh, and I just love this message of being obvious and as a way to, no matter what's going on, as a way to communicate our wants and needs and interests. Uh, so maybe we'd just love to just start off with that. Yeah, definitely. In my community, I've noticed a lot of practitioners really stepping up and offering free their free service. And because everyone's realizing now more than ever, you know, self-care and preventative practices are very, very important. So folks who might've been a little shy of the camera or just not as familiar with marketing are really giving it a shot and, and just giving their, giving it all with their heart. Um, and then in sort of a larger scale, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Esther Perel. <laughs> are you familiar? <laughs> She's, yeah. I'm sure you have heard her. She's incredible. And I recently listened to one of her podcasts and she was saying how the quality of our lives um, is dependent on the quality of our relationships. And I think about this a lot in terms of like, am I communicating my needs? Am I communicating how I can be helpful um, in a, you know, in sort of a proactive way? And I think sometimes we have these unrealistic expectations of 
for how people can treat us or um, or you know what we want from other people or expect and so and on and on the same side of that like how we can be of service how we can help one another because we can all help each other even if it's just being deeply present and reflecting back um, someone you know whatever they're saying in a conversation we all have a way of helping and if you don't feel like you're able to give in this moment then I think it's really important to ask for what you need because people won't know so I think it takes a lot of courage on both both sides of the coin there to do both of those things mm-hmm. I know that you mentioned well-beings and you mentioned that community that you lead there I'd love to hear just a little bit more about starting that community and kind of how that fits into some of the advisory work and meditation work that you've done. Yeah, definitely. So for me, it was a convergence of like three different, three or four actually big events happening at once in my life. I was moving back from living overseas for a year back to New York um, and was experiencing reverse culture shock. Um, My parents were going through a divorce, um, a close loved one, Um, had been misdiagnosed and was put on severe medicine for 10 years and was basically a zombie. And since I had been out of the country for a year and was returning back to the States, I had the most clarity and the most, and I I just felt like the most strong as a person I had ever felt in my life. So I was able to see all of these sort of dynamics and situations in my life with, with really good clarity. For me, starting well-beings was really just a way to build community, to rally all of the people whose really good work I have such love for and conviction that it's super powerful. Um, and I was also coming across charlatans in the space, and I knew that at the end of the day, at least people, I know I'm a trustworthy person. I know that people, I can develop rapport really quickly. and. Um, I had a boss actually tell me when I worked in tech that I had the highest ethics of anyone she'd ever met. And I was like, ooh, that can't be so good for business. <laughs> like, how can I use this to my advantage? And so I think being a teacher and building a community, that that skill will come in handy. Um, it seems to be. So, yeah, so that was that was why I started well-being. So we started doing these awesome supper club gatherings and really just trying to foster community was how we got started. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that we've, we've talked about also before about kind of nonlinear paths and, um, and clearly we're in kind of a nonlinear and non-normal environment. Um, so we're just kind of love to learn a little bit more about how you've thought about your nonlinear path and some lessons learned from it. Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's certain careers where it's like people get in this headspace of like you have to be promoted by a certain time or this title after a certain amount of years. And I definitely had that way of thinking 12 years ago because I remember I didn't get promoted at a certain time when I was back in agency life um, that all of my peers were at other companies and I felt like a failure. Like I felt like, what have I done wrong? You know, and what I realized is that none of that matters. <laughs> like, <laughs> it only matters if you make it matter. And that's like the beauty of it. Um, so for me, yeah, I've gone from, you know, PR marketing agency life to, um, which was not me at all. It was, it was a great because I really learned communications and how to be a powerful communicator. So that was the gift there. But 
I was secretly kind of going to these meetups, like New York Viral Media Meetup and being surrounded by all these entrepreneurs that were just so passionate about everything they do. And I was like, I want to be friends with these people. You know, I want to be friends with the people who are that passionate. Like, who are these people? Um, and so I thought I wanted to work in startup tech because these were where all the passionate people were at. So I, I got into tech and I realized that's a whole other dinosaur monster situation <laughs> or can be. And, and I worked at a nine person startup and then I worked at a two billion, uh, it's like valued at a $2 billion unicorn in Stockholm, Sweden. And they were incredible experiences. It was like a dream to work at a Google type environment. Um, but every experience I had was its own, was its own beast. It was never easy. Um, and, uh, and for me, I just, the whole time, the little girl in me was like, why aren't people taking care of each other? Why don't people care as much? Like, why, why? Like, I don't understand. Like, I still don't understand at 34, like why we don't take care of each other more in an office. We, we spend so much time. Why don't we invest in our relationships? So I think for me doing this corporate wellness work is super deeply healing my younger 20 something self because we're bringing the programming that we wish we had access to all my teams, you know, all my colleagues have left their jobs and we're, we're creating the programs that we wish we had access to when we were in that work environment. So interesting about now, uh, that, that paradigm shift and those, those prior colleagues now leaving and now saying, Hey, Cassandra, what are you up to now? And and now you having solutions for them and services for them. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I hope so. I feel like I feel like there's we're definitely pushing the envelope one hundred percent, like doing hypnosis and cacao ceremonies, but the way we design the workshops we're we go in with absolute conviction that what we're doing is going to help no matter what and you're going to feel good no matter what. And that power is just it's it's unstoppable. Like I, I, I don't, I don't ever, I'm never scared when we go into an office setting because we all believe so much what we're doing is, is going to help. And we design it in a way that we want people to feel really relaxed or feel really inspired and empowered and, and then have techniques that they can do immediately as soon as they leave the room at their desk with their colleagues um, and integrate. So can you maybe uh, speak to some of those examples? I know your work was also featured in the, the New York Times recently, but. Uh... Yeah, definitely. So I think what I've learned is there's this, um, you you know, yoga and meditation would not have been really in office settings, what, like 15 years ago, I feel like. And now it's completely acceptable. And so I, I see it being not that different for all of these other modalities. It's It's simply the vocabulary that we use. So we're not using any religious or spiritual vocabulary um, and being really mindful of common stigmas. So, for example, with hypnosis, we weren't allowed to use the word trance in our, in our communications because we usually give them communications. That way people get excited about an invite to the workshop. And, um, and, and this was at Spotify. And I was like, isn't trance like an entire music category in your app? Like, we can't use the word trance. But being really mindful of like, you know, people are allergic to certain words. And I've always been a deeply sensitive person, which I only recently le- learned was a superpower, you know, being intuitive and is, is, is helpful and in something like this. So um, 
you know, we have our deck, it's available that I see people are always looking at it. And I'm like, please, like use the vocabulary we're using because it's working. It's working in an office setting and, you know, using words like divine or, you know, this beautiful spiritual vocabulary that I would love to use in a, a yoga center. It's just not the right vocabulary and approach to have in an office setting. Perfect. Okay. And uh, going back to that kind of the nonlinear path, was there any types of, you know, when you were going from PR to tech and, you know, was there any, are you able to take us to maybe one of those moments in terms of how you were able to transition from one to the other and then to the next or any types of practices or tools or things that you did to try to see some of those blind spots and make some of those transitions? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, my whole life I was very much a goody two shoes. So I, I didn't really drink till college and I never got in trouble and I really wanted my parents to just be proud of me all the time. So in my mind, like getting fired is something only that happens to bad people, right? Like that doesn't happen to a good person. <laughs> and so when I got fired at my second job, it was a huge awakening for me. I was like, whoa, like one, how did this happen? You know, this was, I switched agencies after working at one agency for four and a half years, they were getting acquired. So I jumped ship and, um, and it was a very stressful, toxic work environment. I won't name names, this other agency I went to. And I was depressed for like six months. And again, going back to, I think it's really important to, when you need help, ask for help. And when you can give, give, because otherwise people just live in shame. And so I lived in shame for six months, just taking unemployment, trying to go to events, not feeling confident to say that I was a freelancer because I wasn't doing freelance work at the time you know, just really getting in my head about stuff. Um, and what I learned though in that moment is like, that was more or less my, one, one of my, I feel like I've had a couple rock bottoms, but that was one of them. And I realized, wow, if this is as bad as it gets, it's not that bad. <laughs> like, and that actually experience encouraged me to move to Sweden because I was like, all right, if it, I definitely won't feel like this if I'm in a new country with new people and like, I just had a feeling like there's no way this experience is going to happen again because I know what to do. And so, yeah, I think that first time was really hard. And anytime I've changed jobs since, it was a much, much easier transition because I developed self-awareness. I developed, you know, a much stronger sense of self-worth, self-value, which I didn't have, you know, in my early 20s. I just didn't, like, I feel like a lot of the younger generation has actually very excellent emotional intelligence. They're lacking a bit in the social skills because they don't know how to make phone calls or <laughs> certain things, but like emotional intelligence is quite high. And um, I didn't have that till later in my 20s. So yeah, definitely feel healed now. But back then that was, that was really hard moment in time. And I think people tried to help me, but they were projecting, you know, they, it, the only people who truly could help me were people who had been laid off or fired because they knew exactly what I was going through. Um, and, and instead I was met with a lot of fear projection from other people in terms of how they would feel if they were in my situation, which just made it harder for me. Mm. And, and so that's, people are saying, oh, you should do this. So you should do that, but not, not being in a similar position and not necessarily really having the kind of practical empathy for you. Is that what I'm hearing, Cassandra? Yeah, like, you know, maybe like one-on-one, -on -one, like, I feel like 
I, I had maybe one person take me to coffee and it was the most valuable experience. And he was like, I'm going to introduce you to this person. I'm going to do this. And that's kind of my approach to this day is like, how can I help? You know, I can connect you to the right people, the right resources um, that will help you on your journey. And I like to call myself like a resourceress. <laughs> like I can help um, kind of put people on their, on, on the journey that they want to go on. And, um, and we all have that ability too. I don't think it's, it's just, I choose to, to make that my value in terms of how I show up, um, with, with, with folks. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that, and that also then goes back to being obvious. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think I was obvious and needing help. I think people thought I was okay and I was going to figure it out on my own and just apply for jobs. But, um, like now I'm super proactive and when I'm going to an event, I invite friends to come with me. I call them. I leave voice notes. I'm a radical caller. <laughs> like I feel like texting is just not data rich. It's just, you can't convey tone. You can't, you like people won't be able to hear how excited I am about this speaker who's going to talk. So I think that sort of rallying is, is so important and nobody wants to be invited to an event over email. Everyone wants to like, personal invite or I think that's part of the loneliness crisis we're dealing with right now is that that sort of misunderstanding of how we connect how we can relate to each other so voice notes personalized reach outs trying to be resourceful and supportive of people that's those are some of the personal dynamics and personal things that we can do to support one another I love this yeah you sent me some voice messages right before this uh and even though I didn't communicate back to you, I would like to say how much I appreciate that. Yeah, it's also just easier for me to communicate that way. I feel like I can communicate much easier speaking than, than writing a lot of times. Um, well, cool. And then one other side of things was you mentioned some of this advisory work. And um, obviously, it's a little bit of a difficult time period right now. But uh, would love to learn just kind of how you were th- able to kind of package up your expertise and stuff to advise certain companies like Spotify and stuff. I think that if you had any thoughts on how you were able to approach certain clients and position some of your services and expertise, we'd love to hear a little bit more. Yeah, you know, I think it's just so important to lead with that conviction and passion. So, and so for hotels, so in the case I was, um, I was uh, consulting for a hotel company last year, um, just like being the voice of like, this is, this, this is the tier of programming that people are expecting. Like, it's not just, you know, Pilates or like people want really interesting stuff. They want compelling TED talk level content that's going to inspire them and, and change their behavior habits. So how can we, you know, develop programming? How can we, you know, create programming that lasts? That's not, you know, just going to be a one-off. I think that's really, really important. Amazing. Very cool. Yeah. All right. I think we covered a lot here, Cassandra. Is there anything you think we missed in terms of kind of building a community while also building your body of work, nonlinear path? Is there anything you think we missed? Yeah. I I think since you said, you know, nonlinear path is really the theme for me, I did used to feel so much shame in terms of having changed so many jobs, but on the same, on the same side of that, like as, as a college kid, I knew that I would never have the same job forever. I just, I just knew, I knew I was a teacher. I knew that I wanted other, 
jobs and other experiences to be as enriched a person as possible. Um, and, um, and so every experience I've had, whether it be long or short up until now has gotten to me today where I am now. And all of those experiences have helped inform me and I'm grateful for all of them, you know? Um, so I think it's also really important to not be scared of, you know, changing direction. When I came back from being overseas for a year, I was saying I was on sabbatical because no one could understand traveling more than a couple of weeks. Their brains in America can't process what that means like they do in Sweden and in Australia and, and, you know, take a gap year and stuff like that. So I had to say I was on sabbatical and it was very easy for me to figure out if the work environment was a right, the right place for me because either they were very supportive of, of taking that year and these were the very entrepreneurial people, like super interesting, or they, you know, were of the more sort of outdated approach of like, oh, well, what, what did you do? Why is there a gap on your resume? And I, and I encourage people to please don't subscribe to this super, super outdate, outdated way of thinking that gaps are bad. Like, that's such a patriarchal way of thinking. Like, God forbid, you know, a mom take off work for a couple of years to, you know, be raise the kids and then go back to work. Like, that's that's that that line of thinking is just not serving us anymore. So, how can we be more flexible and be more dynamic? And if and in fact, I I did. To be honest, I had I had fear coming back to the office. Um, when I went back to my first full-time job, I was like, am I out of it? Like, am I going to be able to keep up? And in fact, I had more energy <laughs> than everyone. Like, because I was just so excited. Like the first seven months, people were like, who is this person? Because I like came in every day. I was doing my work. I was teaching meditation. I, I was, this is when I was working in marketing at an incubator a couple of years ago. And I just had so much clarity and I had developed such a strong sense of self that traveling alone teaches you, that being an entrepreneur teaches you. So all of the skills that you need in a work environment, you find those by doing things like starting your own company or taking risks or going traveling or trying a new job. Um, I think taking risks is the way to be successful if, if that's the path you want to go on. And there's nothing wrong with taking a more traditional path. I just feel like a lot of people who are deep down want, want a little bit more of an ambitious path are letting fear get in the way. And yeah, I think that's really important to kind of not be scared of that <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's such an important and inspiring message to end here, Cassandra. So please be obvious and let me know how listeners can um, follow up and support your work. Yeah. So please, everybody, um, join us. We, I'm on the website, hellowellbeings.com. Um, and on there, you can apply to be a member. If you just want to learn more about wellness, you're welcome as well. Um, we just want to make sure everyone's super engaged and want to join. So my Instagram is Cassandra underscore Bianco underscore. And yeah, that's everything for now. Amazing. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye, David. Hey, friend. I hope you enjoyed this special conversation with Cassandra. As mentioned, we will shortly go into a guided meditation here for you. Uh, but before we do that, I also would like to take this moment to remind you about checking out my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my 
monthly newsletter called One Email Away, where I fundamentally believe that we are all just one email away from a new project, a new friend, and a new opportunity. So each month I share resources that hopefully can help you on your journey. Uh, So please check that out at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. And here we go with Cassandra and her wonderful meditation. All right. So so just make sure you're in a comfortable place, whether that's inside or outside. Your legs are either crossed or if it's more comfortable, you're seated on a chair, very grounded. Your feet are firmly planted on the ground and just making any small adjustments to your body for the meditative state. So go ahead and take a deep belly breath in and out. A few more times. So deep belly breath in and out. Beautiful in and out. One more in and out. Just coming back to your normal breath, becoming an observer of your breath, meaning observing if it's rising and falling at the top of your chest, in the middle, or in your stomach where in fact that wave of breath and that wave motion is taking place. And becoming aware of the sounds around you, recognizing them as simply just sounds versus a pleasant sound or unpleasant, really just trying to acknowledge the sound of the birds, the sound of a roommate, whichever sounds are coming into your surroundings. And beginning to feel the groundedness beneath you. So your seat firmly grounded. Feeling the weight of your body. And with every exhale, you feel like you're a little bit more grounded as a person. A little bit more connected to ourselves, taking on the practice of becoming an observer of our thoughts. So similarly to if we were sitting in a beautiful cafe, in a square, somewhere in Europe, those beautiful places, just people watching. You are 
sitting in the chair and all the people walking by, those are the thoughts. Some of them are walking by slowly and walk by. Some of them are walking by very hurriedly. There might be a group of people walking all at once. And some of them might even come up to you and approach you with a very intense, intense manner, asking you for something and just feeling that groundedness. Remembering that you are the observer. Taking a deep belly breath in. And exhaling out. And congratulating yourself for taking the time to meditate. We are slowly entering more relaxed states of consciousness where we dream, where our creativity thrives where we're able to tap into all of the potential. And remembering that this state is our default. It is our most natural state of being. You're not required to go anywhere or do anything. It's simply a return home turn to your truest self because you are naturally a relaxed person with peace emanating peace emanating love emanating safety that is our natural way of being just like when we're little children that purity that we have is always within us. So reconnecting back to that way of being. Take a deep belly breath in. And exhale out. And similarly to meditation, I encourage you to think of an activity that you love to do. This is an activity that maybe you haven't done for a while or you did when you were younger, but this is something where you feel completely in flow state. So you lose all track of time and space. This is deeply reparative for our brain, for our heart. I invite you to see this as one of the most important things that you can do, not only for yourself, but by you choosing to do what you love a little bit every day will inspire others to do the same. And it's a radical act of self-love and kindness that affects everyone around you.
Take another deep belly breath in. And exhale out. And I invite you to set the intention of how you can either do this activity a little bit every day or take an every day supporting this activity so that you can reprioritize it as a fundamental way of being. Whether that's texting a friend or saying hello to someone on the street, if they remind you of this activity, whatever it is, just making one small action every day with the intention to help you continue to do this activity that you love so much as often as possible. And take a deep belly breath in. And exhale out. And we're gonna slowly come out of this meditation. So becoming aware of the sounds around you. Feeling the seat beneath you, holding you, supporting you. Feeling the warmth of your hands, the quality of the clothing on your body, the temperature in the room. And when you're ready, only when you are ready, you can gently open your eyes. And come back to being here in the present moment. And there you are.